Welcome to Coach House Talks. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What's your favourite flavour of crisps? Now, because you can, because uh, we're a little bit, you know, you can shout out if you want. So uh, come on then. Favourite flavour of crisps? Cheese and onion. Cheese and onion. Oh, cheese and onion doesn't do it for me. Cheese and onion. <laughs> salt and vinegar. See, I like just plain salt and vinegar. Yeah, that's all right. Any others? What? Barbecue. Barbecue. Did you say barbecue? Barbecue beef, is it? Yeah, barbecue beef. See, I used to like smoky bacon, but you don't tend to get that many. Do you still get it? There is some weird one. There are some weird flavours at the moment. But onion rings, no. Do, do the kids? Do the kids have things like cheesy puffs? And I bet you don't let them have it, do you? Because of the after effects. Oh, sorry. Okay, can't have those kind of things. Prawn cocktail. Now that one hadn't come out. Prawn, anyone for prawn cocktail? So there's a. So you like prawn cocktail, but you don't like bottom feeders. <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a there's a tension right there. Uh, what about just normal ready salted then? Anyone just prefer ready salted with nothing else, no 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 artificial flavorings and that kind of. See, if you give me a choice, a whole choice of packets, I will always go for the ready salted. It's really really strange. What about cheese and chive? Yeah, that's just wrong, isn't it? I just no. But have you noticed that you li- if you leave crisps out, if you open the packet and then just leave them out, they just go all soggy and soft and stale? You ever, you ever wondered why that is? Well, that's because crisps are made out of potatoes and they're starch, of course. So they boil them in oil and they boil all the starch off and things and then they seal them in packets of, uh, of, of, of with these foil packets and then they put nitrogen gas in there so that there's no moisture. Because moisture, as soon as it gets into the crisp, it reabsorbs by the starch and becomes all soft and soggy. And that's why you don't want that, do you? It's horrible. But there's a tip for you. If you get your crisp and they've gone stale and you've left them out for a bit, let's say you've had people around and they've been in a dish and they've been there for three days. If you've been to my house, that's what happens. <laughs> three days later, they're still there on the side and you go, hmm, potpourri. Anyway, if you get them and you put them in a microwave for 30 minutes, 30 seconds, Give them a blast of heat in the microwave, drives all the moisture back out of them. Hey presto, crispy crisps. So next time you open the packet and you want it to eat them three days later, you know what to do. Stick them in the microwave, give them a blast. So that's okay if they've just gone a bit soggy and stale. But what about, has anyone ever done this? Has anyone ever got a crisp? Right? This, I love doing this with salty crisps. Get a crisp and then lick the salt off. Come on, hands up if you've done it. <laughs> See, they're brave. You, you lick the salt off and you just leave it on your tongue and just let the salt and the flavour and the taste and everything be absorbed. But then you're left with this horrible soggy mess that's tasteless and horrible after it's got all the salt's gone. 
So the starch absorbs all the moisture, gets soggy, and it's just useless, isn't it, when it's soggy in our mouths? Yuck. So salt is used in crisps to enhance its flavour. So without the salt, anyone ever had those ones where you give you a little blue bag? So you get the crisps. I don't know if you see them anymore now, but they were raised for a while. You get the packet, packet of crisps, and inside the packet of crisps was a bag of salt. And so you just put whatever salt you wanted on them, which tended to mean that the top three got loads of salt and those at the bottom, because you're supposed to shake the bag. Yeah, that's rubbish, isn't it? You want Chris needs to be big and solid and crunchy. So the, it tended to be that the top ones got loads of salt on and then all the, not all the ones at the bottom just were useless. So salt's used to enhance taste. As salt enhances sweetness, that's what it does for our senses, our sense of taste. It enhances sweetness and it blocks bitterness. That's what salt does. That essentially, whether you use it in co cooking and use it in, in various things, that's what it does. It's, it enhances sweetness and it blocks bitterness. So have a look at this from Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, season all of your grain offerings with salt. But here's the reason why. To remind you of God's eternal covenant. Never forget to add salt to your grain offerings. Now, a bit of a throwaway line there in the Old Testament. There's your grain offering. You bring that to the Lord. You bring that as part of your sacrificial uh, Levitical law. And it says, make sure, and don't forget this, sprinkle salt on it. Sprinkle salt on it. Because that salt is to remind you of God's eternal covenant. Eternal covenant in the sacrificial laws. Eternal covenant. Something, God's trying to say something about salt here. Now, we can't make this an absolute command, although we do sprinkle salt on most of our meals, I would guess. Yeah? Most of us are in the habit of sticking a bit of salt on something. I am. You can shake your head all you like, mate. I like a bit of salt on stuff. So we can't make it an absolute command. We can't say, whatever you do, you know, when we bring communion round to you later, sprinkle salt on it because it'll make your crackers taste nicer. I can't, we can't do that, because it was given to the Jews as part of the sacrificial offerings. But it's interesting that salt was used in the Old Testament to remind those who belong to God of the covenant that he has made, a covenant which is eternal, a covenant of you are my people and you will be mine. And that covenant's still in place. But God's people have generally rejected the fulfillment of the covenant because they don't recognize Jesus. Jesus has come. He's fulfilled all of that covenantal promise that's been given over the, over the uh, generations. And then when Jesus comes, they don't see it. They reject it. And they don't see Jesus as their promised Savior. And because salt is the reminder of God's eternal covenant, as we've just seen in Leviticus, and we know it's brought about by Jesus... It makes much more sense now when we read Jesus' words to his disciples recorded in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? So we all know about salt, and we should be salt and light. We all know that, don't we? We all know it from the New Testament. But I think now it makes a bit more sense when we realize what salt is supposed to do. So Jesus says in Matthew 5, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? What good is that crisp if you've just licked all the salt off it and made it soggy and worthless? You can't do anything with it. You may as well just throw it in the bin. 
What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That makes more sense to that now, doesn't it? We're being told that soul is the sign of the eternal covenant between God and his people. And you are to be salt in this world. You are to be that covenant truth that is given to people. So saltiness is more about forgetting the eternal covenant and failing to bring the truth of God to those around us. So when we lose our saltiness, it's because we're failing to bring Jesus to our friends and our families and this fallen world. So it, had, it was specifically for the nation of Israel at the time, but it has connotations for us as well. Now we were reminded in Peter's first letter to the churches in Asia Minor, which we looked at last, a couple of months ago, in chapter 2 and verse 12, it says this, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. In other words, be salt and light by your righteous behavior and moral example in this world of darkness. So why am I talking about this? Well, I want to give you an example of something that happened in Ron's house. Ron and Pauline's house, I should say. We were gathered around on Tuesday. I spent most of the day with the family on Tuesday. Just sat around being there for them. And I noticed something. One of the girls, one of the grandkids, said, Oh, we're in some right SH. <coughs> and she spelled it out. And I went, Sorry if you kids can spell. And I went, oh, did you say that because I'm sat next to you? And she said, oh, no, I would never do that in this house. It's because Ron and Pauline, wherever you go in this house, this house reflects them. Their behavior, their moral stand, the way that they live their lives, the way they brought us up, everything in this house is soaked with them. In other words, the entire house is soaked with the presence of Jesus, a moderator, a moderator of our language, a moderator of the way that we act. And what they were all saying was, in this house we recognize Jesus dwelt. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Have you ever noticed at work maybe, or in the, in the wherever you find yourself surrounded by people, that eventually when they get to know that you're a Christian, when you they see something in your behavior possibly, or you've even just told them outright, that somehow later their behavior starts to be a little bit modified. They start to not maybe swear and curse so much in front of you. And when you ask them, they go, oh, well, you know, I just don't want to offend you. So we are salt in this world even when we don't think we're being sometimes because our moral code is different our behavior is different even though and no one's saying that we get it right every day <laughs> do we jamie i go to work and i tell you if something goes wrong at work you don't want to be sat near me 
And I think the truth is, can be said with most people. Sometimes we are our weakest. And when we think we're failing and we beat ourselves up for failing, when we think we're that far down, God's gently all the time saying, but hang on a second, you, know, you belong to me. There's a covenant that's not broken here. You just need to come back up to where you should be. Because he knows, as we all should know, that we're in a constant battle. And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it wrong. But in the main, what we're doing is we are sprinkling salt in this light where we go. And we hope as we mature in the faith, as we get stronger, as we get more knowledgeable, as we get more Christ-like, as it promises in Scripture that the Holy Spirit will make you more like Christ, as that happens to us on a day-by-day basis, we hope that our behavior and our moral standard also starts to reflect that, even if we're not consciously going out of our way to do it, because it's the Holy Spirit at work within us. And I think sometimes we fail because we try and stop doing things ourselves. Okay, and here's a mistake I've made. You know, I was in something, a sin that just kept going on, and a perpetual sin just kept going on and on and on and on and on. And it didn't matter what I did, I always went back to it. Always. Until I start, stopped struggling. And I just went, God, you're going to have to do this because I can't. I simply cannot. I've tried everything. I've tried every plan. I've tried using passwords. I've tried using all kinds of things. Only you can do this. And when I surrendered it to God, he did it. Because the glory needs to go to him. And I'm telling you that because when we get low, sometimes we can struggle with stuff. Lots of stuff comes around us. Lots of stuff kind of just piles in on us. And we just need to be aware that our call in life is to be salt in this world, to bring light into darkness. And I want to encourage you to do that. Now, we have a new covenant that we are under when we take communion. I just want to read uh, the passage that I would usually read from Luke. And we're going to take communion together. We've got plenty of time. I want you to uh, be part of this, and I want you to bring your praise and your thanks during this time. And Jamie's going to lead us in a song as we come into communion. But I want to read this. It says this in Luke 22. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. This is the table that's the Passover. So it's something they were doing anyway, all right? They didn't come together for a new tradition. They came and sat together to celebrate the old covenant, to celebrate the Passover and everything that meant to them. And Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it and said, take this and share it amongst yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took some bread and gave gave thanks to God for it, broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Then after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And so we have this, there's the Old Testament and all the words and everything else that it was supposed to try and meet and supposed to sprinkle salt on that to remind them of the eternal covenant 
And here's Jesus saying, here's a new covenant. Here's a new covenant that's going to be given to you. A new covenant that will last forever. This is the only covenant you are now waiting for. We're not waiting for any new covenants. This is the only covenant and it suffices for us. It is once and for all. Jesus' blood covers all of our sins. Covers all of the things we do wrong day by day. Doesn't mean we go out of our way to go and do those things. It just means that when we fail and when we do it, we're covered. God's sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice for us, covers all sin. But we still have to repent. We still have to come to God and say, I'm sorry, I've got this wrong. And we should be doing that daily. Okay, repentance isn't just a one-off thing. Repentance is, you know what, I fail every day. And every day I need your new blessings and your new mercies. And I'm very thankful that Scripture tells us that God's mercies are new to us every single day. So that's why we take this communion. We're going to take communion together to remind us of the covenant that we live under. A covenant that is eternal, lasts forever. And then what I want you to take out from that is, you know, in the Old Testament, they sprinkle salt around on their, on their offerings. Your salt is the way that you live in this life. So the covenant has been made, the sacrifice has been made. Now you go and sprinkle some salt in this world and show people that this covenant that God gave for his people is for all people, for everyone. Everyone we come across, everyone we meet, our families and our friends, spread some salt. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and at www.coachhousechurch.org.